Back several years ago, during stagecoach times, stagecoach driver hired a new man to ride shotgun with him. They were leaving the first morning, and he said, look around and see if you see anything that looks like danger. He said, I don't see anything except a man riding a horse. He's over in that direction, and he's coming toward us. He said, how big does he look? He said, about that big. Well, he said, no danger today. The second morning, the same thing. And he said, I don't see anything except that same man riding that horse. And he's coming in our direction. said, how big does he look this morning? He said, about that big. Third day, the same thing. How big? About that big. Fourth day, he said, you see anything this morning? He said, that same man on his horse riding in our direction. He said, how big does he look? He said, about the same size as me. He said, shoot him. He said, I can't. I've known him since he was that big. <laughs> Well, I have known some of you since you were that big. I've known some of you at least 40 years and at least one in the audience for 50 years, Evelyn. But it is good to be back with you and be able to preach the gospel. I appreciate these young folks being here. And I want to tell you a little story that I think is important for all of us. Two young people were in a classroom taking a test, sitting side by side, a young lady and a young man. They had 50 short answer questions on the test, and when they got through and handed it in and got their papers back, the young lady made a 98, and the young man had a zero on his paper. He rushed up to the teacher and said, why the zero? She said, you cheated. What do you mean? Well, you sat next to that young lady, and you answered 49 questions right, and you both missed number 15. You copied off of her paper. Well, how do you know she didn't copy? The teacher said, well, when you got down to number 15, she answered it, I don't know, and you answered me neither. (laughs) Now, folks, when you start trying to copy from somebody else and be somebody else, you'll get in trouble. Learn from everybody, but be yourself. Just be the best of yourself that you can be. It's a pleasure to be back with you, and I'm thankful that each of you is here for this service. I trust that you will make plans to be at every service during the meeting and that you will bring others with you. But I have one request. If you cannot be at the service tonight at 7.30 or 7 Monday through Wednesday, at that time, wherever you are, Would you stop and pray for our meeting? Be here if you can. Some may be hindered. But please stop at 7.30 tonight and 7 Monday through Wednesday, if you can't be with us, and pray for the success of our meeting. We are discussing this week heroes of faith. It is required of a man as a steward that he be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Be thou faithful unto death. Some translations translate that until death. I will give thee a crown of life. Both ideas are there. Be faithful as long as you live and be faithful to the point of being willing to give your life for the cause of Christ if it were necessary. Be faithful, heroes of faith. 
At this time this morning in this worship service, we've announced that the subject is the God of the common man. The common man to which we refer here is Isaac. When Moses saw the bush burning in Exodus 3, he approached it and God said, Take off your shoes because you're walking on holy ground. And you and I remember that in verse 5. But you know what God then said in verse 6? He said, I am the God of Abraham of Isaac, and of Jacob. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, where Jesus was emphasizing that God is not just the God of the dead, but also of the living, he says that God has said, I am, not I was, but I am, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I would guess that many of us have at one time or another sung the song, The Three Patriarchs. Abra, Abra, Ham, 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 you remember that? Aya, Aya, Zach, Zach, Zach. But I want you to think about those three men for just a moment. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If I were to ask you to list the ten most outstanding men in the Old Testament, I'm pretty sure that Abraham would be toward the top and Jacob would be in that list, but I don't think you would put Isaac. Two of the most outstanding men talked about in the Bible are Abraham and Jacob. But I don't think any of you have ever thought of Isaac as being outstanding. Abraham, yes. Jacob, yes. Isaac, just a common, average, everyday person. And yet in the same breath, folks, in the same breath, God said, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. Concentrate on Abraham for just a moment. It is said in Genesis 17:4 that he was the father of many nations. Now we talk about George Washington as being the father of this country, and that sort of puts him in focus for the position that he had. Abraham was the father, called the father of all nations. God said to him in Genesis 12, Your descendants are going to be many, and through your descendants shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Of course, we know as we read the whole story that he was talking about Christ, who would be a descendant of Abraham. And through that, all nations would be blessed. But to Abraham he said, Listen. You get out of this country and you go to the one that I'll show thee, and I promise you I'll make of you great nations, and through thee, through Abraham, all nations of the earth will be blessed. 
In James 2 and 23, Abraham is called a friend of God. Maybe in general others are called his friends, but Abraham is the only one, I think, who specifically is referred to as a friend of God. In Galatians 3 and verse 9, he is comparing some of them to faithful Abraham. He says, Abraham was a man of faith. And you get into that Hall of Fame chapter of Hebrews 11, where it says, by faith and through faith, and mentions so many of those, by faith Abraham offered, offered Isaac. And I've often thought, in my thinking at least, that that was one of the acts that probably required as much faith as anything that's mentioned in the Bible. God had promised a son to Abraham through whom all nations would be blessed. And after that son had been born and had grown up to be a lad, God said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac I want you to take him up yonder on the mountain and offer him as a burnt offering. Take the son that you promised, offer him as a burnt offering. There's no indication that Abraham ever questioned God about it. He just got ready and got on his way and got what was needed and went all the way, left his servants at a place, said, The son and I will go yonder and worship. He went up there and went so far as to draw the knife back. And I believe he would have gone through with it if God hadn't stopped his hand. Now that's about as trusting as you can be. You'd have a hard time naming me anything that ever happened that involved more faith than a man taking a knife and he's going to kill his son of promise? Well, that's what God said do. He had enough faith in God that the indication is that he thought if he killed him, God could bring him back to life because when he said to his servants, we'll go yonder and worship, we will go there and come back. He indicated he believed he and Isaac would come back even though he was ready to do exactly what God said. Folks, Abraham was a great man. Jacob was an outstanding person. His name was changed to Israel in Genesis 32, and that word Israel became associated with God's people and has not stopped yet. Israel became the name for the people of God, the children of Israel among the Jews, but in Galatians chapter 3 and in chapter 6 particularly, the church is referred to as God's Israel today. And so not only did God's chosen people, the Jewish nation, become known as the children of Israel, but the church today is figuratively referred to as the children of Israel. That's how great Jacob was. He was the father of the twelve tribes, the twelve sons that became the twelve tribes. And when you think of the long history of God's people as described in the Old Testament, you have the name of Israel as the father of those twelve tribes, and as those tribes are mentioned, you're always talking about the sons of Jacob. Jacob was an outstanding man. 
but not Isaac. It is said of Isaac that he was born. He died. There's a little bit said about the love and passion that he had for his wife, for his parents, and for his son, particularly one of them. His fears are mentioned. His temptations are mentioned. The fact that he feared God is mentioned. But there's not one thing that I can find in the Bible that suggests that Isaac was outstanding. That he was unusual as a man. Isaac was just that common, everyday Average man that went about his business. And yet, God said, I'm the God of Isaac. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Jacob, but I'm the God of Isaac also. And I want you to identify with this today. There may not be a one of us in this auditorium today that will ever attain greatness on this earth. I doubt that any one of us will ever be elected President of the United States. And we may not think of anybody that's here this morning as being outstanding in the way that the world at least would consider being outstanding. I'm not for sure that there's a one of us in this auditorium this morning that could be compared to Abraham. There may not be a one of us that would be as faithful and as outstanding as Jacob, but every last one of us that's here this morning can identify with Isaac. And I'm glad to know that God is my God. Is he the God of those that have been outstanding? Yes. But he's my God, and he's your God. For you see, in the sight of God, it doesn't make any difference what nationality you are or what race you are. It's hard to turn on the television today and listen to the news without something being said about races or racism and somebody being accused of being a racist. I submit to you that if we could get everybody to have the right relationship with Jesus Christ and with God, we'd do away with all of that. Because it doesn't make any difference with God what color of skin you have. I had a friend spend the night with me Friday night. I've known him for several years. I was involved with him as his student at the East Tennessee School of Preaching. He and his wife adopted three children back about uh, ten years ago. The third of those children is black. Brody was two the first time I met him. He came with his dad and spent the, the night at my house Friday night. He's almost ten now. And you know, God's his God just as much as he is those other two children that they adopted who are white. Doesn't make any difference with us, with God, whether one's an American or a Russian or uh, 
part of the country of Israel or Egypt. Uh, God wants everyone to be a Christian and to come to Christ. It doesn't make a bit of difference. Now, there are differences involved. I understand that. We need to understand those differences. But as far as God's concerned, anybody of any race or any nationality can be a Christian. With God, there is no difference when it comes to the level of education. I would encourage you young men and young ladies to go on and get as much education as you can use. Don't get enough to be an educated fool. Have a little common sense along with it. But folks, I preach sometimes to people in some of the areas where I go who do not have above an eighth grade education. My dad and mother only got to go through the eighth grade. Two of the smartest people I ever knew. I don't have a doctor's degree. I preached at Henderson for 18 years when many in the audience did have a doctor's degree. Probably there was never a time I preached there, but that there was somebody in the audience smarter than I was on that subject. But if you give me the Bible, I'm not going to be intimidated. Because God is my God and God is your God. I don't care what your level of education is. One of the finest elders I had in Henderson was a man who did not have a college education. I'm not for sure that he had a high school education. And there were elders at the same time who had doctor's degrees in that eldership and all of them fit. You see, God is the God of Isaac as well as the God of Abraham and of Jacob. Your occupation doesn't matter to God with just a few exceptions. If your occupation was a prostitute, I'd have to discuss that from another angle. But with few exceptions, it doesn't make any difference whether you are a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor or a farmer. Or you just work at a factory somewhere. Or, underscore this one, if you ain't nothing but a housewife. And don't tell me you don't work. Whatever you are, whatever you do, God needs you. I'm thankful that not everybody's a preacher. I'd hate to preach to an audience if everybody was a preacher, wouldn't you? I'm thankful that not everybody is a doctor. We need some farmers out there, too. And whatever your occupation is, if it's an honest occupation and you're doing your best and you're serving your family and your community and your God, God is your God. Don't ever forget that. Whatever your financial level. I've had some friends that were millionaires who were very generous with what they had to help others. I've had some outstanding friends who didn't have enough money to do anything except pay the bills this week and then earn enough and pay it next week. We need to apply ourselves. We need to bring in as much income as we can to take care of our families and help support the Lord's church. And I certainly don't agree with laziness. I'm concerned about people who are ready to stay at home and draw a government check when they're able to get out there and work. I'd like to put my number 
15 in the appropriate place. That 15 is a shoe, by the way. But folks, whatever your financial setting, realize God is your God and He needs you. And this morning when we gave, He didn't look at what the people down the beach had coming in this week. He looked at you. And it's not so much what you do if a million became your lot as what you're doing now with a dollar and a quarter you got. God's the God of Isaac. doesn't make any difference of your social level. Most of us that are in this audience this morning have never made a headline in the local newspaper. If a celebrity came into town, we probably would not be invited to the meeting. Most of us are not at the high level on a social scale. That doesn't make any difference. And those that are on high levels, if they'll conduct themselves with honesty and decency, can still be Christians. But God doesn't judge us by social levels. And God doesn't judge us by whether we're men or women. There are some restrictions on women in the work of the church. There are also some restrictions on men. There are many of us men in this audience this morning who could not serve as an elder. We're not qualified. And you women cannot preach publicly because there's a restriction. I understand these restrictions. But when it comes to (coughs) soul value... Each one of us is important, and you ladies may be doing work that's more important than I'm doing in this pulpit. Who's teaching our kids? Who's bringing them up at the time that they're receiving the things that will guide their lives the rest of their lives? Most of the time, it's you women. And if there's anybody in the church that's more important than an elder, it's his wife. He cannot be an elder without a good wife. You women are extremely important, and yet we do respect God's restrictions. But in Galatians 3, 28, he says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female. In the sight of God, it doesn't make any difference whether you're a man or a woman. You're important. And let me hasten to throw in another one. It doesn't make any difference what your age is. We have people here this morning that are just uh, less than a year old, I suppose. And we have some at least look like they're approaching a hundred. I said some of us. That'll make a bit of difference with God. Some of you older people, listen to me. You tell me to preach to the young. Let me preach to the old for a minute. Quit saying I'm not needed anymore. Yes, the young people have the energy, but they don't have the wisdom that you older members have. We need the wisdom of the older members and the energy of the youth mixed together. And if we ever learn how to do that, we'll tear up the world for Christ. We need you. And if you are a six or eight year old, God is your God. If you're a teenager... God is your God. If you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, God is your God. I plan to preach till I'm at least 100. Spoke the other night at Henderson. I asked how many in the audience were 65 or over. About 60 people held up their hand. 
I said, I'm praying that every one of you lives to be a hundred and I get to hold your funeral. I hope to make it to a hundred. The point is, whatever your background, wherever you are, you can be an Isaac. You may not be an Abraham. You may not be a Jacob. But you can be that average, usual, I use the word common in the right sense, person. And you have something to offer to God because you are important for who you are. And God needs you in His work. And when I pillow my head tonight to go to sleep, I can pillow it knowing that God said He's my God just as much as He is the greatest person that ever lived. God is the God of Isaac. When He said, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob, He was saying, I want to be the God of every person, and every person is important for who He is and what He can do in the Lord's service. And don't ever, ever forget that. But God expected Isaac to be faithful, just like He expected Abraham and Jacob. And God expects you to be faithful. And when we consider the plan of salvation to become Christians, faith and repentance and baptism, confession of our faith there, God expects you to be faithful to His plan to do what He has said. And when we make mistakes that are public, we still have the instruction to repent and confess and pray to God. God expects that. God's law hasn't changed. It may be you that needs to change to be what you can be, not somebody else. Quit trying to be somebody else, but to be what you can be in the Lord's service because God is the God of Isaac. And He wants to be your God. And I beg of you to seriously consider your relationship at this point to God. Have you been neglecting worship services and Bible classes? Have you become more attached to material things than you are to reaching out to serve people? Are you allowing yourselves to look inward at selfish desires instead of outward to what God wants? Have you even obeyed the gospel to be a Christian? Have you even been baptized for the remission of sins? God wants to be your God. And if you don't have the right relationship with Him, move right now as together we